everybody. Uh, my name is Katie. I'm one of the other pastors here. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here preaching, had a baby, and now I'm back. So glad to be with you guys tonight. Uh, we're starting a three-week series on the vision and mission and identity of Nova Church, what it means to link arms and follow Jesus together in this community. So I'm going to pray for us as we start. God, we do pray that you would speak. Um, we need to hear from you, and we're really glad and really thankful that you are speaking that you desire to speak a word to us as individuals and as a community. So help us to hear and to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to start with an observation tonight, kind of a simple observation, that I think something seems off in me, uh, in my family, uh, around me, in our world. Something's not quite right. In Scripture, the people of God, they come to the same conclusion, the same awareness a lot. And they, and they respond with a prayer. When they come to this awareness, this feeling that something's off, that something's not right, they respond with a prayer. It's a prayer found when God's people are confronted with injustice, with this glaring reality of those in power abusing those without, when they, when they see the poor being mistreated. It's this Reality, this awareness they come to when they're confronted with their own brokenness, their own sinfulness, when they're confronted with grief or pain or death or hunger or lack of any sort, when they're confronted with loneliness or depression or the absence of, of God, it's a prayer that forms on their lips in these moments, a, a crying out to God, different versions, different variations, but basically goes something like this, make it right. Three words. Make it right. God, I'm going to need you to look alive. Living God, I'm going to need you to pay attention. Creator, heads up. Redeemer, redeem. Redeem this. Redeem everything. Lord, do something. Make it right. We see the, the wrong in our world. I think whether or not you're a Christian, whether or not you're a person of faith, we kind of open our door and go out into the world and we sense that something is wrong. We, we see it. And we could summarize it, this feeling, this awareness, with something like this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. We want connection. We seem hardwired with this innate desire to belong. But we find loneliness and isolation and division and tribalism and us versus them, a lack of belonging. We desire beauty, but we find the ugliness of, of decay, of abandonment, of violence, the, the misuse, the exploitation of God's good creation, humanity becoming mass consumers instead of creators. We want to know that justice wins out at the end of the day, that what's fair and right will come to be. We click on the news, we scroll through our feed, and it just seems like the wrong prevails. We look at our own lives, we look inward, our own story, and we long for the broken pieces of our own lives to be put back together again, for the voice of shame to be silenced, to experience freedom. And, and all of us, we long to be part of something bigger, a bigger story, for connection with someone who transcends, connection with the divine. And yet, we seem to look for other things to satisfy this, this longing our work, our play, our status, our pleasure, power. We see alienation from God, from the source of life. And here's the question. 
Here's a question that I think can drive us forward with purpose or keep us up at night or maybe a little bit of both. We walk out that front door, we see the wrong, and here's the question. Can anything change? Can anything new break through? Is there hope for anything new? Kind of depends on who you ask. Some might say no. It's kind of the cynic's hot take. No. Others might say, yeah, I think. I think us humans, we can eventually do this. If we just get the tech right or the science right or the goodwill right, then collectively we can make this better. We can, we can drive forward into a better tomorrow. Can anything change? We walk out the front door. We see the wrong. We feel it within ourselves. Can anything new break through? We're going to look at a verse today. And it's part of a letter written by a man named John to churches in the first century. And these churches were facing persecution from the hands of the Roman Empire. And so John writes this letter when he's exiled on the island of Patmos. So how do you get there? How do you end up exiled? Well, the turning point of John's story is his encounter with Jesus. And he comes to find, he comes to discover that in the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, everything changes. So John starts running around telling people, Jesus is Lord. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus is Lord. Oh, by the way, Caesar, you're not. Roman Empire, don't really like this. This is how you get yourself exiled. And so he's on this island. He's given a vision. Well, really visions, plural. And that's the book of Revelation. It's this curtain being pulled back for John and through John for us to see what's really going on beyond the headlines, beyond the scrolling through the feed, what's really going on now and what will really happen one day. And so John writes in Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, this this vision of a flourishing future of what God will do, of the God who keeps his word every time, what God will do, of a flourishing future for God's people and God's creation. And that prayer, God make it right, that prayer, redeemer, redeem, redeem this, redeem everything, one day it's going to come true beyond our wildest dreams, beyond anything we could ask or imagine in every possible way. We read in Revelation 21 that there's a day coming when God will make his home with us. Physically with us, face to face dwelling with us. We read of a day when all the tears that come because of isolation and loneliness and depression, uh, because of violence and war, all the tears, because of pain, because of grief, all the tears are going to be wiped away. And death itself, the enemy of all enemies, will be no more. So we're zeroing in on one verse tonight. I will say usually that's not a good idea. Take one verse out of context, trying to keep it in its context tonight. One verse tonight we're going to look at, Revelation 21.5. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. He also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The one seated on the throne, Jesus is Lord, says, look, I'm making all things new. Um, My kids are really really good at destroying things. Like it's like their spiritual gift uh, to destroy things. And so on any given day, this is like the story of our life, any given day they take some Legos, they build a tower or blocks or magnetiles. It really doesn't matter the, the building material. They'll work with whatever you give them. And they make the tower and it's good, right? 
And then inevitably, in about 2.5 seconds, someone's hand is going to come crashing down, usually it's a brother's hand, and destroy all that once was. Create, destroy. Create, step back, oh, it's good, destroy. What do you think God's going to do with this creation? This creation that as God made the world, spoke the world into being, kept saying, this is good. What do you think God's going to do with this world that God so loves? Do you think the hand's up there ready to come down? No. God has not and God will not abandon the creation that he loves. No, God is at work for renewal. Revelation 21, it says, God is making all things new. It doesn't say he's making all new things. All things new. But here's the thing. This verse, this hope, it's not like a uh, just sit tight, sit still, twiddle your thumbs, wait on the day when God does something, wait for some future day. No, it's a promise, the hope that means something here and now, that God's flourishing future is actually somehow breaking into this present moment, coming towards us, moving towards us in the person of Jesus. It's a hope that means something real right here, right now. Let me give you an example uh, from the message paraphrase, 2 Corinthians 5. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. Didn't know that word burgeons. I had to look up how to say it. I think I did it right. Show of hands. Yeah. Do you know what it means? I looked it up. It increases. It grows. It flourishes. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. New life with God in this present moment. That fresh start is about now. That God's new creation can be experienced now. In part, yes. One day fully, yes. But here and now. I want to read these words again that Sarah Grace just read from Isaiah. We read this. The Lord, the Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. By the way, Jesus picks up on these words from Isaiah. He picks up on them in Luke 4. And Jesus reads these words from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, yes. Every word, yes. That's what I'm doing, yes. The Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in places of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. What is Christ up to in us and in our world? In a word, renewal. Christ is making all things new, working for transformation. And God's inviting us to join him, to join in this work. And so as a church, as a community, our dream together, our vision together is to see signs of Christ's renewal in central Denver and beyond. To actually see what God is doing, to name it, to proclaim it, and to get in on it, to join God there. And what is the change? What is the transformation that the prophet Isaiah is speaking of that Jesus promises to do? What does it look like? Well, as a community, we've named five signs of renewal. Community, beauty, justice, wholeness, and worship. I'm going to touch really briefly on those five. If I get too long, there's a lot of fruit snacks over there. If you need some sugar, go over there. 
It's going to be brief. Five signs. Because we're asking, what if the heartbeat of our church was to say, God, we want to be about what you're about. We want to pay attention to what you're doing. We want to see your movement. These signs of transformation and change and hope, and we want to be about it. What if our life together was organized around this pursuit that we would link arms and follow Jesus together, empowered by the Spirit of God, and response to God's great love to us, to say, yeah, we'll be fools for Christ's sake. Believing that the love of God transforms, and the kindness of God heals, and the justice of God will win out in the end, looking for what Jesus is doing and joining in. So community, what a time to be alive We have the world in our pocket and a really hard time paying attention to the person right in front of us. The world at our fingertips and a really hard time just being present in a conversation. More connected than ever and absolutely less connected. We find ourselves living through unprecedented times like every other day. And whether it's the isolation of a pandemic or the divisions that come from like everything these days, Life can feel lonely. And as followers of Jesus, we can just keep clinging to this hope that God draws us in, all of us. The dividing walls come down in the name of Jesus, that the lonely are placed in families in God's care. And so we pray that as we experience the radical welcome of Jesus, that we would turn around and extend that same welcome to others, that we would keep sliding over saying, there's more room here. There's room for you at the table. To join in God's renewing work as a community, we seek to cultivate community wherever we go. Number two, beauty. How many of you moved to Colorado for the mountains? Anybody? In part because of the mountains. Okay, okay. Beauty draws us in. The mountains are calling, and I must go. Not just mountains. It could be the melody of a song, the quiet opulence of a sunset, a really good book, that you can't put down. Last semester, my discipleship group, uh, we met at Anna's house one night, and uh, she made dinner for us. And it was a beautiful experience. So we're sitting around this table, and it's like, it was like five courses, five-course meal coming at us, I don't know. And the main dish was pasta a la Norma, right, with mozzarella bombs. You want to talk about the beauty of God? Mozzarella bombs, unless you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> And we literally, it was kind of funny. It was actually really amusing to me because we're sitting there and we're talking and we're catching up and she starts putting food in front of us. Sky was there. She knows. And it was like, we all had these like goofy grins appearing on our faces and we all got, got really quiet. And some of us had had really bad days, but now there was pasta a la Norma in front of us. And it like, it was beautiful. And it kind of just reminded me in this really simple way, the power of a really good meal. It was beautiful. But it's not just a good meal, it's good conversation, a garden, a good cup of coffee, a poem, a song. God has called us, created us to be creators, to join God and his work in the world. I was listening to a podcast the other day, therapist and author Kurt Thompson, and he talked about discovering beauty and how beauty actually has the power to like heal, like heal places of shame in our lives. He said, this process of discovering beauty, it's not just where we expect to find it, but finding beauty in unexpected places like the crucifixion, 
God himself, God in the flesh, hanging on a cross, becoming the source of unspeakable beauty. And that's part of our task as disciples of Jesus is learning in the unexpected places to find beauty. To join God in his renewing work in the world, we seek to live as co-creators with God. And then justice. Author and pastor Tim Keller says that in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, we often find what's referred to as the quartet of the vulnerable. So in the Old Testament, it's widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. And God and God's word shows a special concern for the vulnerable. You mess with them, you're messing with God. God is a God of justice, a God of the oppressed, the forgotten ones, the cast aside ones. Jesus keeps showing up in their midst. The marginalized, the oppressed, Jesus keeps fighting for them. And so we have to ask as a community, who are the vulnerable in our midst, in our city, in our world? What does it look like to seek justice on their behalf? And you have to be careful about this because it's not us just kind of charging in, assuming we know, assuming we have all the answers. You're welcome. We're here to save you. It's not that at all. It's less doing things for people and more being with people and coming alongside and talking less and listening more and asking questions and seeing what God's already doing. It's about proximity and relationships. That means we have to reckon with our own use of power, my use of power, my privilege, and that's all part of God's healing work in the world. To join God in his renewing work, we seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Two more. Wholeness. So about 10 years ago, I was talking with a really good friend of mine, and she was describing meeting with her her therapist and the things that her therapist was saying to her, kind of the wisdom that she was imparting to her, and I was really intrigued. And so I asked my friend, uh, is your counselor, is she is she taking new clients? And she said yes. And I said, okay, can I have her number? And she said yes. And so I got her number, and then I kind of just held on to it for like two months. <laughs> like it took all my courage to like ask for the number, And I felt like, okay, I've done the good work of therapy, I think. (laughs) Like, I have the phone number now. That that definitely counts for at least half. No, I eventually called her and easily, honestly can say uh, that relationship and my current counselor, one of the top two or three ways that Jesus has worked in my life for healing, for wholeness, in my story. The fallout of sin is, is brokenness, and we see it in every part of creation, but Christ and his goodness and his graciousness and his gentleness is working to put the broken pieces back together. The spirit of God is at work through therapy, through friendship, through community, someone who's safe and kind and can hold your story really well. Maybe it's a mentor or a sponsor in recovery. And it's not just the people, it's the practices. It's, it's coming to this table. It's gathering with the people of God. It's opening up the word of God. It's giving and praying and serving. All these practices we take up that just open up a little bit of space for the Holy Spirit to work and move to make us a little more like Jesus, to form us as our true selves in Christ. To join God in his renewing work, we make space for the Spirit of God to transform us. And then finally, worship. All those previous signs, they point to Jesus, the beautiful one, the one who's three and one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the just one, the one who is our peace, putting all the broken pieces back together, the one who is worthy of every amen, of every praise. All the previous signs point to Jesus. And so as a community, we want to invite people to enjoy life with God, to taste and see that God is 
good, that there is a bigger story. There is someone who is above it all, that there is one who has made us to know him. There is one who is the source of life. This God who's revealed in Jesus is a God who pursues. This God revealed in Jesus is a God who won't quit on us. This God revealed in Jesus is a God who runs after us. This God revealed in Jesus is a God who would die for us. This God revealed in Jesus is a God who loves us. And we want to share that message and embody it too. To join God in his renewing work, we invite everyone to enjoy life with God. And that's our dream. That's our vision. To see signs of Christ's renewal in central Denver and beyond throughout our city, throughout our state, throughout our world. I was watching HGTV the other day. Um, I don't own a home. I don't know my way around Lowe's at all. But occasionally, I watch HGTV. And I realized that uh, I really like to get to the end. Like, I want to cut to the chase. I want to see how it ends up. Because, you know, okay, if you don't watch it, uh, spoiler, basic premise of every show... (laughs) is home repair, is renovation, is making the home new, right? And I realize I get impatient. Like, I kind of want to get just to the final reveal where they walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. This is amazing. Like, I want, I want the money shot, right? Like, I just want to get to that point. Because you have to kind of get through the, like, kind of witty banter, um, the, the kind of, like, contrived tension that happens. Like, do we have enough budget? Uh, you know, all those things that happen. If you've watched HGTV, you would know I'm doing a really good impression right now. Just want you to know that. If it's lost on you, then I'm sorry. I want to get to the end. But in HGTV land and in life, the renewal that we want to see, it's not instantaneous. Forming community, creating anything, seeking just systems and relationships in our world, becoming who Christ is calling us to be, someone coming to know Jesus for the first time, it's generally really, really slow. It's a slow process. There's nothing particularly flashy about the work we're called to as God's people. We just keep showing up day after day with this prayer burning in our hearts. God, make it right. Redeemer, redeem. Redeem this. Redeem everything. We just keep showing up, taking up the ordinary practices of generosity and hospitality and kindness and peacemaking and Sabbath keeping. We just keep showing up. As one priest puts it, above all else, trust in the slow work of God. Above all else, trust the slow work of God to make something new to bring transformation. And what if the heartbeat of our church was to say, God, we want to see what you're about and we want to be about it. We want to see your movement. We want to see your transformation. We want to see your change. We want to see the hope that you bring. What if our life together was organized around this pursuit that we link arms following Jesus together, empowered by the Holy Spirit in response to God's great love? Yes, we will be fools for Christ's sake, believing that the love of God transforms and the kindness of God heals. And the justice of God will win out one day. What if we pursue this together? As a young church, about a year and a half old, we've entered a time in the life of our church where we want to establish something called covenant partners. The covenant is not a word we throw around very much. It's a word found in scripture when God is inviting his people to partner, to commit to partnership with God in God's mission to partner in his mission of renewal. And there's something good and beautiful and sacred even 
when a community of people stack hands and say, I'm in. In this time, in this place, in this community, for this mission, pursuing our God, I'm in. So I want to invite you to consider becoming a covenant partner of NOVA. We're going to talk way more next week about what that means and uh, we'll talk more in the coming weeks. But I did want to mention that in October, we're going to have a Saturday morning workshop. Um, Saturday, October 15th, and then there's a makeup date if you can't do that one. Sunday, October 23rd, right after uh, this service. Plenty of food at both. Fear not. Um, and that will be a time to hear more about what it means, the vision um, of Nova. That'll be time to share some of your story, uh, your journey with Christ. That'll be time to talk more about your unique gifts and passions and how we come together as a church. I recognize some of you are pretty new to Nova. You're like, I can't remember your name. I'm not sure I'm ready to become a covenant partner. Of course, that's fine. You may have been here for a long time and you're like, I'm not ready to do that. Also fine. I want to put that opportunity before you and encourage you to talk to me or Chuck in the coming weeks if you have any questions. We're going to wrap up our time tonight with a prayer from Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador. I'm going to pray this for us, and then the words are just going to stay on the screen for a little bit. For you to reflect on them, and for you just in a couple moments of quiet, just ask, okay, God, what are you saying to me tonight? You who are making all things new your renewal, bringing about community and justice and beauty and wholeness and worship, stacking hands together and saying, let's do this together. What's God saying to you? So let me pray and then continue um, in the silence. Christianity discerns that beyond the night, the dawn already glows. The hope that does not fail is carried in the heart. Christ goes with us. Take a few moments to pray.